Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your postseason home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And in pretty exciting news, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. And we are short one Andy Cruz Vanasek today. She had a family issue, and so she couldn't join me to record. But I am joined by a very special guest from Away Games podcast, Kevin McCaffrey. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? It's pretty good. And Andy is fine, everybody. She will be back. Uh, It just kind of interrupted our recording schedule. If you are not familiar with Away Games, um, Kevin and Adam Amwala do that podcast, and it's outstanding. You should absolutely add it to your repertoire. What should people know about Away Games, Kevin? Well, basically, Adam and I are both comedians uh, who live in New York City, hence the Away Games part of it, because it's a a Cubs podcast. We met sort of, I mean, we met as much because we're Cubs fans as much uh, as because we are running around New York doing shows together all the time. Um, So yeah, basically, we, we spend so much of our time talking about the Cubs anyway we decided to record some of it so we've been doing it for this is uh season two we've been doing it every week and it's yeah basically two comedians in New York talking about uh talking about the Cubs and uh it is I would say it you guys definitely are better with data and stats than we are you guys are the main other podcast we listen to uh when it comes to Cubs stuff but um but yeah you know we're we're another we're another one and we're one that is not based in Chicago and uh Adam and I like to you know We'd like to think it's a good time. Awesome. Uh, Well, thank you again for joining me. So we've got stuff to talk about here. This will be our World Series preview show. We're going to look back at the ALCS and talk Cubs manager stuff. But let's just jump right into this ALCS recap. Uh, Holy walk-offs, right? (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of walk-offs, which is fun. It's a very, it's, it's, the most fun and definitive way to end a game. It's nice. Uh, I like that we were able to walk it off without going too deep into extras or anything. Um, yeah, it was it was very nice, and it ended I, 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 like it ended in an enjoyable way for me. Did you have a strong rooting interest between Yankees or Astros? I, I was very much on the Astros bandwagon, mainly yeah. because I. So my second team is the Red Sox. Yeah, you got Boston, um, kind of Boston roots of. of in yeah, a way, right? I lived there for six years, and I just yeah. can't. There's something about cheering for the Yankees that just feels wrong. I, I have family members who cheer for the Yankees, and I get it. I just, I, I personally don't. Honestly, sure, the, thing the, that I, yeah. no, the thing that I thought was weirdest about um, the walk-off in Game Six actually is that. You know, uh, the Astros had their closer, Ozuna, in, uh-huh. who I obviously have some problems with because of his domestic violence suspension. And yeah. Oh, is it Yankees... because he's a terrible human being? Is right. That, is that right. why? Yeah. <laughs> and so the Yankees brought, like, forced uh, the bottom of the ninth by wrecking Ozuna's day and then, like, immediately brought in Chapman, who I also have problems with for the exact same reason, I was kind of like, really? Yeah, <laughs> this is what thing. we got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. It I hadn't thought about how it was such a matchup of pretty much the worst people as closers that you can do in the majors right now. Unless I'm really missing a glaring, awful human of a closer, it was really a matchup of really unlikable dudes who both did poorly, uh, which is. I, I, perfect for me from a fan's perspective. It was great, especially seeing who Aroldis ended up giving it up to. 
<laughs> well, that was so. I I am a huge Jose Altuve fan. I oh, like everything sure. about. I actually like if you are the person on the planet because I'm sure there's like only one who doesn't like Jose Altuve. I think that's a you problem. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such like a clear, almost uh, like a protagonist of a children's book level of good from Altuve, where he is, uh, he just seems to be kind of a sunny guy in general. He it, it, he has an underdog story of a background. I think everyone, a lot of people who follow probably know that they, I think the Astros told him when he was a teenager to just go home, basically, because he was yeah. too small and they weren't interested in him. And then he came Maybe. back. They didn't even believe he was 16. They, like, made him bring his birth certificate to prove he was 16. I mean, I kind of get it. I'm not sure he's 16 now, really, looking at him, you know? <laughs> like, he's got, he looks like a mature 16, I guess. But uh, he, I mean, you know how small he is. And sports is just, I love outliers of any kind in sports. Give me, you know, give me a John Ratch as a pitcher. I love him. If they're huge, if they're tiny, those are all fun things to me. And watching a guy be that small and do what he does. Uh, and it's not even just about being small. He's fast. He has surprising power. It's just like all the fun stuff he has. And you know he's a small guy, but watching him around the other, it just, it seems like his arms are half the size of my arms. And it, it's incredible what the guy can do. And you really couldn't script it any better to have a fun guy take down a Roldis in the ninth there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's an incredible player, despite the fact that he is short in stature. I believe he is listed as 5'6". Yeah, I doubt maybe. he is actually 5'6". Yeah. Um, as a person who is 5'1", and like very fiercely <laughs> defensive of that one, I, sure. I kind of know how this goes. Um, I will say that the other thing about his walk-off that I thought was really interesting, you know, after the game, he kind of came around home to home and he was like, gripping at his jersey like don't rip my jersey off right and Ken Rosenthal asked him about it and he said that he's shy and he got in trouble with his wife the last time <laughs> Was it, I saw him say I saw him say that too but it's like what do we know or do we think we know why his wife was mad about it was it because he was showing off too much I have no idea but it's the most endearing thing I've heard a baseball player say pretty much ever it was just so sweet and humble and modest and mm -hmm. I loved it I, mean, I loved right it yeah, right there with I literally love Justin Verlander, which uh, was another <laughs> uh, which another Altuve quote that Verlander then quoted uh, back to him after the the uh, after that saying that he literally loves Jose uh, Altuve. Um, yeah, he's just like he's just fun. He seems happy all the time. He's good. It's it, it was a great way to watch it walk off. And now I don't want to see the Astros win anymore. But uh, I yeah. but that was really fun. Yeah, also temporary lifelong Nationals fan here. Although I feel like now that the Yankees are done, we have averted a hate series. Like I was very nervous for a while that the series might be the Yankees and the Cardinals. And sure. I, the universe can't contain the amount of hate I would have for that. Like, no, and it's <laughs> weird that, right. And it's weird how many times those teams, and we talked about it on, on the Away Games podcast last week, but how many times those teams have have played in the World Series and how few times they've actually faced off against each other. Like there hasn't really been much of a Cardinals Yankees history in the World Series, which is statistically kind of improbable. Uh, and but I mean, I'm glad because, yeah, it would be I mean, I would be I would be done with baseball at this point. Basically, I mean, I guess I'd be rooting for the Yankees in that case, just because oh. I mean, because I live in New York. I have a friend who's got season tickets so I could potentially go, you know, um, just selfishly, I could talk myself into that, but, um, I would be, I would be worried for our friend Andy though, living in, uh, in St. Louis dealing with something like that too. 
I I would probably watch the games because I am a baseball junkie, but I would sure. just be sitting there like, I can't believe I have to cheer for the Yankees right now. How yeah. did the National League let me down so much that I have to cheer for the Yankees? Yeah. Um, other notes from the ALCS. So Altuve's was not the only walk-off. Correa walked it off in game two. And that was like the polar opposite of the Altuve walk-off, where you mm-hmm. had the epic bat flip and the sort of like hand to the ear, like, let me hear you now. And it was great. And Pro I, wrestling I style. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. Pro wrestling style. And that was a game where Correa, who, you know, was, I feel like a top level talked about young star at one point and then has struggled with injuries. You look at his numbers and he's he still had a, a, a very good year, but it seems like he's really peaking right now. And Correa is a guy who is kind of for a number one overall pick has gotten. Uh, I feel like on that loaded Astros team, uh, A.J. Hinch talked about how he was hitting seventh, I think, that game. But that really seemed like a game where he just decided to take over. He had that sort of that uh, pickup after Altuve couldn't handle the hop. The throw home was in that same game, right, to get the runner yep. home? Yep. Yeah, and it seemed like Correa, just, you know, an extremely talented guy who just felt like that was going to be his game. And watching him, uh, you know, oppo bomb that and really, <laughs> really make a meal out of it afterwards was also a lot of fun. Yeah, so my big takeaway from the Correa and Altuve walk-offs is that baseball is great when players are just celebrated and doing their own thing. And it doesn't matter. Like, you can go big and you can have the huge, like, bat drop, play it up to the crowd. Or you can go Altuve style and be, like, super humble and I'm shy, don't tear my jersey, and both of them (laughs) are awesome. And the reason it's awesome is because they're being themselves. And baseball has great players who should just be celebrated as themselves. Yeah, it was very fun. And and uh, Altuve celebrating the way he did, which is basically just hit it and jog around and, uh, you know, and, and button up to your chin like you're like your right. Nana going to sleep when it's cold, you know, kind of just really bundling there. It was fun to see uh, the, the, the juxtaposition of that with everyone else losing their minds was uh, very fun as well. Totally. Um, A couple of other interesting things from the series that I just want to make sure we talk about before we look ahead to the World Series. Justin Verlander looked almost mortal for an inning. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was just an accident or what. Yeah, I mean, and then because it, it's I saw a lot of people. I wasn't watching right at the very beginning of that, but I saw a lot of people talking about, oh man, Verlander falling apart, and then he was fine after that, right? It was just the first inning. It was just the first inning. And one of the things that was interesting is I, I've been following a few different Astros fans now because I like to follow fans of the new teams when I'm watching in the postseason when the Cubs aren't in. For sure. And they've mentioned that if you're going to get to Verlander, that's the time to do it. That, like, he can have an off inning, but, like, it'll be at the beginning of the game and then he'll just go into lockdown mode. Yeah, it does seem like he's a very sort of classically old school just hoss of a dude who builds as the game goes on. Uh, you know, I feel like he is a guy you've seen. Sometimes the velocity will just kind of keep climbing, um, too. But yeah, they I mean they they got him got him pretty good there. And it's a thing where he and he and Cole have been so historically good this year. Uh, it's it's been insane. It'll be really interesting to see if that you know if that really was just a blip or if possibly the the huge load of innings that Verlander carries, which is usually. As much as or more than almost anyone in baseball year to year, uh, whether that's catching up to him. Totally. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, given how great the starting pitching is for the Astros in particular, is that both teams sort of went with a bullpen game for game six. And and I know part of that was because of the weather delay and it messed Mm -hmm. up some of the pitching schedules and whatnot. And did the, was the bomb cyclone as bad as it sounded? (laughs) 
I mean, it was stormy out here for sure. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it it it, it was stormy. It was uh, it was extremely windy. It was very much like turning the umbrella inside out kind of stuff. Um, more than more than it was a, a real serious sustained downpour. But yeah, it was definitely a thing where not playing baseball was correct. I think. <laughs> also, I'd never heard of a thing called a bomb cyclone, and now that's the second one in the last year and a half. So I don't know if that's a global warming thing or if we're just changing branding for storms now. But it seems like bomb cyclones are hot now. I think that's like a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. They like created yeah. new terminology for these things because the other one that it seems like I hear about every year now is thunder snow. And yeah. I remember the first time I heard of thunder snow being like, get out. That is not a real. Oh, there it is. It is both <laughs> thunder and lightning and snowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It was definitely the right move to not play baseball that day, but it led to that weird starting, <laughs> that weird uh, starting pitching matchup between green and peacock, which is not right. what you expect coming in. Peacock looked great though. Like he did exactly yeah. what you would want out of an opener type of strategy. Um, and I, I mean, that entire, it seemed like every move that Hinch was making was paying off until the very end there with Ozuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, at, at that point, that's one of those things, even with Ozuna, where you you sort of can't blame the manager, where it's like, that's the guy's role. He's been successful in it. There's not really another move that you, that, uh, you could cr- correctly hindsight, you know? Um, but yeah, Hinch has, Hinch has been, Hinch has been really good. I mean, it's been, uh, he, that, that seems to be an organization that knows what they're doing at every level. Oh, we are going to talk about the Astros as an organization. Yeah. They kind of relate uh, to us now. Half yeah. of the show, yeah. since it looks like one of the Cubs' uh, top managerial candidates is part of the Astros organization. But hold that thought for a minute. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I really want to talk about with the ALCS, and I just this is a pet peeve of mine. I talked about it with the Uber chance during the. When was that? That was the was that the division series when the Yankees were playing the Twins, or was that was it the Twins? Yeah, I guess it yeah, would have been it was right. The twins. It was the it was the the kid who like drives an Uber in the off season because he had been a minor leaguer and not yeah. making any money, and the Yankees fans thought it would be really funny to chant Uber at him, but they just kept doing this. It's like one thing when they're like chanting Jose Altuve as if saying the name is like gonna upset him. It didn't. Newsflash. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's his real name. That's uh, correct, and that's that's fine. <laughs> you but know it. You're going to remember took, it. Somebody took those chants and spliced them to a video of Jose Altuve dancing, and it's actually the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, I at first <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was like real, and I mean, in some ways, it is real. It's real audio and it's real uh, video. Right. But he's just sort of he's just getting a very casual groove on by himself. It's no one else is in the is in the video. It's very fun. Yeah, no, it's it's an outstanding video. We'll make sure to tweet that from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. So make sure you're following us at at Cup of Cubby Blue to check that one out. Um, but the one that really bothered me is they started chanting at uh, Zach Greinke about his social anxiety. And my God, what? Let's not tease people about mental illness. Do is you, that like too also, high of a bar? I mean. Yes, I guess, you know, it shouldn't be, but it's <sighs> like they, I mean, also, if, you, if you'd if rather not say that's cool, do, do you know what the specific chant was, what they were chanting? No, I wasn't home when it was happening. I just saw it all over Twitter. I don't know if they were just chanting his name or if it was something else. Yeah. It's I mean, a we- also, some of the Yankees chants were just ridiculous. They were apparently chanting Kate Upton at Justin Verlander as if like, 
it's supposed to bother him that he's married to a supermodel. It really seems like all the chants are backfiring pretty hard. First of all, an, <laughs> an Uber driver's beating them, uh, or at least giving them a tough time for for a while. You're in a series with an Uber driver, I guess, if you think that's uh, that's exciting. Cool. Uh, yeah, Justin Verlander is uh, married to someone that 80% of that uh, of that chanting group still has on a Sports Illustrated that they have hidden in their mom's uh, cupboard. Uh, they, I, I don't know how that's supposed to make them feel bad. And then chanting uh, a, a tiny MVP's name who then sent them home for the offseason. Uh, it's a lot, of, a lot of backfiring chants there. And I should say, I, I have a good Yankee friend who is his family has been season ticket holders for like 15 years. And the first time I went with him uh, to a game there, I was like, how do you feel about Yankee fans? He's like, oh, the Yankees are like one of the most important things in my life. And Yankee fans are awful. I feel like a lot of Yankee fans think Yankee fans are bad, too. And this was really one of the worst showings they've had, which is too bad because a lot of the players on that team are actually individually pretty likable. But uh, yeah, all time bad showing by the uh, Yankee fans specifically. Yeah, I, I just want to back up what you were saying about their players. Like, I was trying to figure out, and aside from Chapman, who we've already discussed sure. the problems, and yes, I know, 2016, definitely the worst part of 2016 was Raldis Chapman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was, but like, they have some players, I, I like Aaron Judge. Glaber Torres is great, still yep. great. Like, I wish Gary Sanchez could stop a passed ball, but like, frankly, I <laughs> yeah. have a problem with Gary Sanchez. Like, I just yeah. do not, for the... I, your fans have got to like take a step back, New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, too bad. It's one of those cases where um, I feel like there's a stereotype about Yankee fans, and then they show up and just prove it beyond what you'd even think. It's what right. it's what like a casual fan would just guess about them, like sarcastically, like oh they'll probably yell at a guy about having a mental illness. Oh no, they actually did that. They they like they did. <laughs> you you try to guess something worse than they actually do. Good luck. Uh, they yeah. You, you, you sort of can't outkick the coverage of how bad they were as a fan base. Uh, and now they have a long off season. So that's fun. Totally. We are actually going to take a quick break here for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about this World Series coming up that starts tomorrow in Houston. And we're also going to talk all things Cubs managerial search. It looks like Theo and Jed are getting pretty close. But first, a quick break. And we're back. Okay, so the World Series is the Nationals versus the Astros. I think we both already said who we're cheering for. We're Nationals fans, right? Yeah, for, I, I think so. I mean, I, I just like seeing people win who haven't gotten a chance to win. And we talked about uh, on, on on my podcast last week where uh, the, it, the Nationals are the oldest team in the National League, at least, if not Major League, by average age, which is crazy considering Juan Soto is seven years old. So the average okay. is nuts there. Uh, yeah, I, it's just fun to see new guys win and experience something. And I like I like plenty of the Astros players, too. Sort of similar thing with the Yankees, um, where I like a lot of their players, but they did just win for the most part. So for me, it would be more fun to see the Nats win. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, I was definitely cheering for Houston to win it all when they had never won. Um, me but too. But they've won now, and Correa's got a ring, and Altuve's got a ring, Verlander has a ring, and a bunch of other hardware. like. They're fine. Yeah, yeah they're doing <laughs> let's, fine. Let's get the Nationals and a, a ring. Also, Davey Martinez, former Cub, uh, former sure. bench coach for the Chicago Cubs. I would like to see him succeed, particularly after the terrible start that the Nationals got off to. I mean, I've confessed this on the show before. 
I went to a Nationals game in April. I happened to be out in D.C. for a work event. They were playing the Giants. And it was one of the worst played baseball games I've ever seen. Oh, fun. You you go to a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I was convinced that both of those teams were going to be at the very bottom of their divisions. And and I was wrong. (laughs) They just happened to be playing bad baseball in April. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's not a crazy, I guess I saw some stat recently that was nuts, where I think it was on June 1st, the Tigers, who lost well over 100 games, and the Nationals had the same amount of losses at that time. That's, um, that I, I totally believe that after the Nationals team that I saw in April. Yeah, they were off, and it seemed like, it seemed like Davey Martinez was uh, hot seat and then some. It just seemed like, oh, this didn't work, you know? Right. It seemed like a maybe ride it out to the end of the season thing. And uh, yeah, then since and really since May, since mid to late May, I think they the Nationals have been almost as good as anybody. They started that badly, though. But um, yeah, it, they've been really good. And you look at this team and it it looks like a really good roster. It looks like it should be World Series caliber. Well, and the other thing that's kind of interesting there, and I I mean, obviously, this is not perfect, but in a weird way, it feels like the Nationals did what the Cubs tried to do. Like the Nationals went out and signed Howie Kendrick, who's like this veteran utility been there before guy right. the Cubs did that with Daniel Descalso right mm-hmm. like the Nationals went and got Gerardo Parra who was like washed up outfielder who kind of had some success out in Colorado mm-hmm. maybe he could do it here the the Cubs tried to do that with Cargo I was just mm-hmm. like they, they just picked the wrong guys <laughs> yeah right you had a profile down pretty good about some of these guys um, and yeah, they're both, and they're both teams that sort of heavily invested in veteran pitching at the top of the rotation too. Right. You look at the money that, you know, Lester and Darvish are making, and then you've got, uh, Scherzer, Strasburg and, uh, and Corbin over there too. There's, yeah, there are, there really are a lot of similarities between, uh, between these two teams. Um, one still playing, but yeah, otherwise. Well, the Nationals were, it worked out much better in DC this year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Kendrick um, over Descalzo and then et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, like, Para brought in some energy, which, which for the record, Cargo did, too, when he first got to Chicago. He, it didn't last, and he Made a great catch. More, but he did make <laughs> one great catch. Um, yeah. I thought he was going to die on that catch. I was convinced he was going to slide headfirst into the brick wall, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Para thing that I want to talk about in particular, because this is one of those intangibles that always seems to pop up with uh, World Series teams or with contending teams, is this baby shark ridiculousness and look full disclosure i consider it one of the great joys of my life as a single person without kids that i do not have to listen to the baby shark song ever and (laughs) baseball has changed that but in a way where the song doesn't even annoy me anymore i the national uh symphony orchestra so like the official like dc orchestra Mm -hmm. has a video out today in shark uniforms playing baby shark Beautiful. Yeah, it's just a a little bit of goofy weirdness that a whole city can get behind. And that sort of becomes a a shared language for everybody where, you know, oh, you're you're playing baby shark on your on your boombox. Go Nats, you know, where it's like it's a little shorthand for everybody to uh, to get on board with, which is it's fun. I did not know what I mean. I heard baby shark in I heard that as a thing, but I did not know what it was until baseball. Too. Like baseball is what brought right. Baby Shark to me as well. Yeah, like I knew it existed, but I actually had no idea how the song actually went. I still don't know what it's from. Is it a kids' bop? Is it a? 
It's just a kid's song, apparently. Like, it's some, like, okay. viral hit kid's song. And if you happen to have little kids, they probably run up to you. And there are hand motions, apparently. So I um, I took a little video of them doing the shark hand motions at, uh, when the Nationals were beating the Cardinals, and it was beautiful. Mm. Um, and I, I made some comment about it being the baby shark hand motions. And a coworker of mine who has little kids came back to me. He's like, actually, that's Mama Shark. And I was like, well, <laughs> I had one. no idea. And so he, he <laughs> said, schooled me in the difference between Man. the Mama Shark, Daddy Shark. What, yeah, what a time for a reply guy to show up. <laughs> you know, just, um, actually, yeah. actually, that's Mama Shark. Um, there I are several like, oh. sharks, and it's a whole shark family. And I'd, I'd really like it if you would respect the the matriarchy of this shark. Uh, oh my god! Gesture. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, th that's apparently a thing. But they, I do like that they do the little shark motions out there on the bases. That's that's pretty good. Um, and this pitching is going to be ridiculous. Eno Saris has a piece in The Athletic uh, about the pitching matchups that we get to see in this World Series. And I mean, I love a great pitcher's duel. There are at least three Hall of Fame first ballot guys throwing in this series. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's like, it, right. And that's and, not counting the new guys who are awesome in Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Yeah, it, that's not counting two guys who were two of the, I mean, top. Uh, Cole was a top two pitcher this year, pretty right. much. And then, so Strasburg. You know, Strasburg yeah. is probably going to be second in Cy Young voting to DeGrom. Yeah. So, I mean, they, and those are, as you said, those are two of the non-Hall of Famers. And Corbin's right. great, too. I mean, striking out a crazy amount of people. That slider's right. bonkers. Um, yeah, and when you look at Grinky, is probably the third of the Hall of Famers. Yeah. You know, if you're ranking these Hall of Famers top to bottom. Um, it's, yeah, this could be, this is one of the best matchups, uh, one of the best uh two rotations, at least top halves of the rotations, going against each other that, I mean, I can really remember in, in the last, I mean, I, I'm thinking back to like Arizona was a two-man rotation back in the early 2000s uh, with the sort of level of Cole Verlander dominance. Yeah. But it's hard to think of one that with this sort of depth on both sides. And uh, we were on the on on uh, on my podcast at away game uh, at away game spot. If you want to follow us, uh, we were talking about hoping that it goes to. And I was talking to Ken Schultz about this too. Uh, if it gets to Game Seven and everyone's available, oh like it could be possibly the best group of pitchers ever in a game together you know like if wow. everyone is coming out of the bullpen on these two sides uh it really could be a historic bit of chaos which would be lovely yeah no it could be it could be totally insane and i i am looking forward to every single one of these pitching matchups and let's not forget that one of the most dominate pitching matchups of the postseason is somebody we haven't even mentioned in annabelle sanchez so yeah, totally almost i mean got pretty close to a no hitter Right. So this could this could be kind of crazy good. Um, the bats are also I mean, there are some very fun hitters here. We already spent a lot of time talking about Altuve and Correa, but let's not forget Juan Soto, who, man, I am so impressed with Juan Soto. I love watching him play. He has done something that, frankly, Correa even struggled with in his sophomore season, which is he managed to adjust as the league adjusted to him. And just keep on hitting at an elite level. And I, I'm excited to see what he can do with these elite pitchers. 
Yeah, and he's just, it's nuts that the guy's 20 and he makes taking a walk exciting and he took over 100 of them uh, this year. And it just seems like not only is he a a nearly perfectly rounded hitter at the plate uh, already, but when a lot of like really top end talented guys are reaching double A at his age now in his second year in the majors. He, it seems like this is a skill set that's going to last. Like, it's a really sustainable skill set he's got. So it's like, man, is this guy just going to be this good for, like, 15 years now? It, it's, it's, we're seeing an all-time, a possibly all-time great offensive player very early at a very big stage, and that's very cool. Yeah, and we're and we're here for it. It's going to be great. So that game uh, is tomorrow, Tuesday, um, and I think they're finally just on regular network television now. You don't have to have like a special FS1 subscription or whatever because <laughs> Good. Rob Manfred, ladies and gentlemen, um, <laughs> like literally the worst. <laughs> yeah. Every time yeah. I turn around, I'm like, <clears throat> Rob Manfred's like, I don't know how we're going to save these 30 seconds in this game. I'm like, how about you just put playoff games on regular network TV? That's an idea. Yeah, you can. It would be nice to put these things in some, some sort of an order based on importance or, uh, yeah, or or relevance, and go from there. <laughs> um. So I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest Cubs news that is going on right now, and and there isn't a ton of news on this front, mainly because um, MLB discourages news breaking during the playoffs. So. But we, we, we do have some information on this managerial search. Um, the Cubs interviewed six different guys. It looks like by all accounts, it's down to the final two. Uh, David Ross, who everybody kind of thought was the favorite going in, and I have been on the David Ross bandwagon for a long time. But it looks You're like... You're into it. What? You're into it. I, I'm, I'm a huge David Ross person. I, that was the first 2016 jersey I bought was yeah. a Ross jersey, yeah. I'm very, I'm very into it too. I feel like there's some sort of like Ross fatigue just because of how long he's been talked about in, in Cub world. And I am, uh, I am anti Ross fatigue. I'm still in, I'm still in on Ross. Yeah. I think, I think that he's got some intangibles there by all accounts. He has been the guy who was supposed to succeed Joe Madden. So it would be kind Mm -hmm. of weird for them to just like dovetail from that strategy, but Joe Espada, who is the Houston bench coach has been apparently very impressive to the Cubs front office and he was given a second interview. So he, if y'all recall, he went to interview on the way out to New York. um, And then now is coming back to interview with the Cubs again before the world series starts. I, I'm intrigued by this. I would be really happy with either one of these guys. What do you think of Ross and Espada? They've been my top two choices since basically they let Madden go, uh, which I wasn't in favor of to start with letting Madden go. But uh, since since that time, Ross and Espada were the two guys I found more interesting than anywhere else. Uh, Ross, I'm, you know, we've talked about and you guys have talked about on other podcasts as well. We we know this guy pretty well. Uh, I believe he would be he, he has the potential to be a really great manager and a leader in a slightly different way than Madden was, which if you're getting rid of uh, a clear cut hall of fame manager in madden well there you must be looking for a specific tangible difference and it does seem like ross would bring that 
Uh, Espada is a pretty young guy as well. He's in his early 40s, has a heck of a resume, having worked with the Yankees and Astros as well. Seems like everybody likes him there. It's interesting to see what he's actually been in charge of. You know, he's managed minor league teams. He's been he's a bench coach now, which was Alex Cora's job before. Uh, one of his duties as bench coach is he's in charge of aligning the infield. The Astros do a lot of shifting, so that's, uh, you know, sort of diving deep into analytics stuff that he's responsible for for Houston. Um it seems like, and it, like you said, if he's getting a second interview in the midst of a World Series run, you know they're really serious about it. And I'm starting to feel like, I mean, I know people are saying Ross is the favorite, but I'm starting to feel like they're leaning Espada, just because uh, otherwise I feel like they've known about Ross for a while. You could have announced him, you know? Yeah, well, so this is, and, and this is really interesting to me because I know that some of these interviews, and it, and it really felt this way for like the Kapler interview, for example, have been about learning more about the different systems out there, what sure. other teams are doing, doing some intel gathering. Um, and so, it, look, this second interview with Espada could very much be some intel gathering with the Astros. I, the Cubs could learn a lot from the Astros. Oh, yeah. Ab- <laughs> they they sure that. could. Yeah. Right. Um, but maybe we could really, just steal their passwords and stuff. I heard, no, I hear no, some that's, teams. That's the St. Louis way. That's the St. Louis okay, way. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're the Chicago people. We don't hack into Astro computers. No, we take them to Starbucks across the street and we just <laughs> sort of bend their ear for a bit, you know? Um, in all seriousness, I, I don't think they could go wrong with either one of these guys, but it does make me wonder if Espada is going to be the guy. And he, for the record, he, uh, managed the Puerto Rico world baseball classic team. So mm-hmm. he has coached Javi Baez before a little bit, which I think is important. He definitely would bring um, a voice into the clubhouse for the Latinx players. Like he's fluent in Spanish, and I think that that would be really helpful with some of the young guys that the Cubs have on their team who speak Spanish. Um, I don't know. I, lo- I love both of them. I don't. I'm not. I, I'm torn. I think, I'm totally. torn. I think they're I think they're both great choices. If they don't pick Ross, part of me will just be sad because I've sort of been I've been I've been shipping this pair, Ross and the Cubs, uh, for a bit in my heart and in my head. So I think sentimentally I'll feel a little bit sad if, if Ross does get passed over. And I think Ross would be a great manager too. It's not just sentiment. Um, but I also think if they hire a spada, I'll be like, you know what? They they saw something special here. He has an he has an a really exciting background and i wouldn't be mad at that either uh i would be mad at almost any other choice i think there those two i and i don't think any other choice is going to get it at this point it seemed like there was some girardi momentum before and i i'm not against girardi getting another job in baseball he's had a, a an interesting career too <laughs> Just not you know, here. fine Just not here, here. I, no yeah. I, I feel like we have more fun options here and these are and specifically these two we're talking about yeah i agree i mean i look i I love Joe Girardi. My first um, picture with a baseball player is a picture of me and Joe Girardi when I was in seventh grade. Oh, that's uh, fun. I went, yeah, I went to go see him play uh, when he was a Rocky and they happened to be doing this event where young people could get pictures with the players on the field. And I, I beelined for Girardi, which everybody <laughs> thought was super weird because everybody else was like, headed for like Galarraga or whatever. And I'm sure. like, no going to the catcher <laughs> i mean I, has the phrase beelined for girardi ever been spoken aloud on earth before <laughs> i don't know that is i mean but that is very good you know you're a deep cut baseball fan when you are uh what grade did you say you were i was in seventh grade uh, a seventh grade girl making a beeline for the rockies catcher knowing he's got that cups history yeah that's beautiful <laughs> 
Um, but but I don't think he's the future Cubs manager. And no, I don't I, think I, so either. He thinks, I think he knows that too. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, Andy and I were talking about this yesterday a little bit uh, via text. And if they don't announce anything today, which it, it looks like they're not going to, I, I should probably check Twitter one more time uh, yeah. before I say that definitively. But it's 4 o'clock in Chicago. It seems like they're not going to make an announcement today. And if that's the case, then it could very easily be either Espada or David Ross. Um, the Cubs front office is probably going to do a lot of thinking during the World Series, and we won't know anything until after the World Series concludes. Yeah, and that's and and that's frustrating just from a standpoint of like I want to if this was if the Cubs offseason right now was on Wikipedia, I would scroll to the end of the plot portion to get the spoiler on it. You know, I just I I, I am done. I I, I don't want the suspense. I want to know who's leading the team going forward. Uh, and I think it is going to be one of these two guys. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a good pick either way, but um, yeah, it, it would be frustrating now when you feel like you're on the precipice of it to have to wait till the end of the world series. And it seems like we might have to do that. Yeah, um, I think so. Okay. Let's end this uh, special edition of cup of cubby blue with some world series predictions. I got to go for the nationals, but I think that this is going to be a barn burner of a series. So I'm going to say Nationals in seven. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, too. I would either be Nationals in seven or Nationals in six. And um, that's not that's not where my money is. I have money on the Astros <laughs> to win the World Series. But, um, yeah, that, that's <laughs> sometimes it's fun that way because it's like, oh, I'll, I'll get to be a little bit happy either way. Um, but, yeah, I'm rooting I'm rooting for the Nats. So, I mean, that's also what I'm going to pick. And I think they're, they've been on fire. You just hope it's not the Rockies versus Red Sox thing where the Rockies went on that huge, unbeatable hot run, then had to wait a little bit got cold and got smoked you know uh by probably the better uh red sox team uh the year they were in the world series so yeah i don't think it's gonna be that i think that this nationals team is gonna show up ready to play i just am i mean that delay can always that can hurt you a little bit um they've sort of been sitting around waiting to see if they got the Astros or if they got the yankees my nationals hat finally came yesterday so <laughs> oh good we're going to find out real fast if that hat is lucky. My custom Sanchez jersey, which was a huge pain in the butt to order for a whole slew of reasons, has not arrived yet. So I'm hoping that gets <laughs> there before the series is over. Um, it is really hard to get a women's customized Nationals jersey in anything other than the white and red. That really? They yeah. They have like, is it, is it, it's basically they have one sort of default offer for customized for women, yeah. Like and so I kind of had to go to a bootleg site. To like <laughs> that's what. That's what because the navy blue one with the Nationals script across the chest mm-hmm. is the jersey that they've been winning in. Like that's been a thing. They're like undefeated in that jersey in the postseason or something silly. And right. so I was like, well, it's got to be that jersey then. And I just couldn't. I could not find it. Like I was yeah. like, so I'm on some <laughs> random like Etsy type site. <laughs> where that they've got those in women's and we'll see what it looks like that's what yeah my podcast co-host had to had to go to go to basically go to china for, to get a uh javi buys players weekend in the way he wanted it too but it, it seems like that should just be every team should just it should be pretty easy to customize all this stuff it, press a button i mean this shouldn't be that difficult for teams to do one would think and yeah, hey, hey, Rob Manfred, how about that too? Like, make you easy. <laughs> Come on, stop putting playoff games on you know tier three subscription mm-hmm. channels. Um, yeah, 
Speaking of Rob Manfred, and this really will be the last thought of the podcast. If you have not checked out, our friend Danny Rocket has a new song called Rob Manfred Hates Baseball. Based on a true story. You should listen to this song. It's great. It's it's incredible. Um, I've watched it a few hundred times already and laughed (laughs) hysterically every time. Lovely. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated this. Uh, sure, you're welcome thank- anytime. Please, thanks so much for having me. And uh, you've joined us before on our podcast, and uh, we'd love to have you and Andy again. And if people want to follow us over there, it's the Away Games podcast. Myself and another comedian in New York, Adam Amawala. Uh, every week, we drop a new episode every Wednesday, even throughout the offseason, talking Cubs for the most part. Uh, and that is at Away Games Pod on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. And, you know, find us where podcasts are. And I highly recommend listening. They are super fun and a great addition to the Cubs podcast family. Um, Andy will be back next time. As always, I am Sarah Sanchez at BCB underscore Sarah. You can also find me on the at Cup of Cubby Blue account. And I will be watching this Nationals Astros series to see if we can get some more fun walk-offs. Yeah, let's walk it off in seven. Scherzer walk-off bomb. Does that, that wouldn't even work that way. But, but I don't think that's, that's what I want. I think the game seven would it's have Astros. to be Astros. You know what? Change the rules, Manfred. Do it, do it one more time for me. <laughs> All right. And if Scherzer walks it off, we will be talking about it here at Cup <laughs> of Blue. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.